The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen... My name is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. The Bear of Texas, and this is Into the Net FC. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've been waiting for. First, let me welcome back the coolest nurse in the Southern California, Steve, and Mr. Rod Angeles. Gentlemen, it's finally good to have you both here at the same time. Good to, hey, see good to all be on at the same time. Yeah. I mean... You know, everybody, I'm sure some of the listeners have been listening to this because, you know, with you guys, you having such a unique knowledge in soccer, this had to happen. What can you say? It's just like the concert for Bangladesh, but that's a little <laughs> before your time. You wouldn't even know that. You wouldn't even know that reference. <laughs> it's like the four horsemen, but there's only three of us. But right, there you go. it's been, you know, well... It was an interesting weekend. It was bad for you, Steve, but for Rod and I, it was horrible. Well, I mean, on that subject, I mean, we may as well, you know, lead off with the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Um, Liverpool went down to the London Stadium, and they just got absolutely outplayed in the second half by West Ham. And... um, you know, a lot of the people on the Liverpool boards have just been losing their minds. But uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, West Ham played a great game. Uh, they do a great job on set pieces. They burned Liverpool getting two goals off of corners. And, uh, you know, Liverpool loses its first game since April. Uh, Rod, your thoughts? Yep. And I, and I agree. I mean, it's... It's, it's the way football works, you know. Um, Burnley, it was uh, – and Chelsea kind of, you know, had a draw. And you'd expect that Chelsea to be playing in a much higher level than that, considering what the last month they've been having. You know, it's just – I think you can feel the same way, Alex. 
it's just the way that United played. It was a very poor display. It's not 2-0. It, it wasn't the score. It, it was the way it was played. Uh, the two scores that they conceded was very shameful, the way it was happened. Uh, I really felt bad goal. for David De Gea. I thought goal. he had a great game, considering he was stopping his his own team's shots, you know. And it, it was it was just horrible, the way it just – I actually stopped watching a little bit of it. I, I can't believe it. last 20 minutes or so. You know, the embarrassing part, I think, like, didn't Manchester United only get, like, four touches near the goal? Yeah. I mean, And I think, like, at one point um, – in the first half, I think they were like four or five minutes in their own box. United was that's ridiculous. I've never heard of that stat before in my life where another team could not possess their own ball in their own, you know, box for such a long period of time. That means you're just sitting back and chasing. That's what it means. Exactly. You know, they're just chasing all day. Gentlemen, I'm going to be honest with you. The whole thing with the, under the management of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, look, I'm always going to be forever grateful for him. He's a great guy, and he did his best, but you know, this thing is clearly not working, and I'm not sure what it's going to take for the Glazers to understand that. I mean, you know, on the show just not long ago, we said, look, Solskjaer deserves criticism, but doesn't deserve to be buried, and, and I stick to that. But I feel like if this goes on, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, Manchester United fans, all those other fans are already burying him. But for me, like, I'm just like, spare him the, you know, spare him the pain. You know, it's nothing personal. We just have to move on. But but I'm telling you, at this point, I mean, Conte is already taken away. But I really don't, and we should talk, we definitely talk about Antonio Conte going to North London. But the whole thing with Solskjaer, it's not going to get any better. I mean, at this point, it's at the, we're way past the point of no return at that point. Steve, your thoughts on that? Well, there were already two sackings over the weekend. Um, Villa and Norwich City both parted ways with their managers. In the case of Canaries, interestingly enough, they fired their guy after they actually got their first win of the season. Norwich actually went to Brentford, and they did something that Liverpool couldn't do. Brent, uh, Liverpool uh, was held to a draw at Brentford. The Canaries went up to Brentford, and they actually got a, got a win. But uh, but Villa and Norwich City, they're both changing managers. And uh, I know that a lot of people, the, the Man U fan groups, at least what I've been seeing on social media and stuff, losing to Manchester City is not a crime in of itself, but it's just the manner of the loss, I think, is just a really, really hard thing for a lot of people to take because they, they look just impotent against uh, Liverpool and against their rivals. <laughs> just kind of seems at this point, Ronaldo is, he's not going to save Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's neck anymore. What are your thoughts, Rod? It, I think it's, and then I think Steve made a point, it's not the crime itself of losing against Liverpool or Man City or anything like that. I think it's just the fact that it, the crime here is how is, how is the progression of the years that he's been. And it seemed like I was very excited this season because the progression was there. You know what I'm saying? Like from the first year he took over, second year, now, you know, it's like you're excited, but here we are 
seemed like he, like he digre- he kind of digressed a little bit. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the things that he finally, um, what can I say? The things that he's been doing is finally being uncovered. You know, you can't cover, you can't cover things for so long which you're not really good at. Uh, which him, like and I said, in the past, and I keep reiterating this, he seems like a basketball coach to me. He's just letting the players do what they need to do. And like you said, Ronaldo can't be helping them anymore. You know, like last year, uh, the the last half, uh, you had Cavani. Cavani had a very good season in the last half. I think personally, without Cavani, uh, Solskjaer will probably have been fired last year. Cavani really boosted that club up. Uh, Coming back because it also helped Mason Greenwood kind of came back last year. So you see all these players kind of like the old-fashioned United way, you know, like coming back in the last minute. And they keep talking about that. And you hear that for everybody saying, like, you know, you can't give up on this team because, you know, some way, somehow they'll pop up somewhere for a goal or two. Again, I think those little things are being exposed now. Uh, and and that's why, and I mentioned this to you too as well all, every week, on the show, there's a peak for every coach. This is his peak. I think like next week, uh, I forgot who we were playing. Um, I think Watford or something, right? Yeah. That's, that, that's after the good. international break, yeah. Yeah, I guarantee you, we're going to look good. Then, once we hit teams like Villarreal, we're going to look shaky. We're going to, and then we play Chelsea again. Afterwards, I believe, or a week or two afterwards, I guarantee you we're not going to look good against Chelsea. But he no. will look good against teams like Watford, Tottenham, uh, Arsenal, teams like that. But that's his peak. That's it. And I think that should not be United's um, standards, personally. No, and, and I think that's what everybody should look at and say, thank you, Ali. I know you did what you did. But again, this is your peak. And I think we need to move on. Yeah, and the last thing I'm going to say about Oli is the whole thing is it, it wasn't a marriage made in heaven, but at the same time, it's not a marriage made in hell. It's just a marriage that was just lopped to loop-de-loops. Like the whole, th- the whole thing there, his whole tenure there was a roller coaster. But, but now we really got to get to Antonio Conte taking over Tottenham. And I'm going to start off right off the bat. I don't see it working because I just don't see it. It doesn't mesh to me. But, Steve, we'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Antonio Conte uh, heading to North London? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, is he able to, to light a fire, you know, under that, that group of, of players? You know, it's going to take, take a couple weeks for his system, his manner, um, you know, for him to maybe get the players that he actually wants out on the field for Spurs. Um, so it's, it's hard to say, but I mean, we keep going over this thing with Tottenham that, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, a a great club, a top flight club, but you know, they, it's a, it's a club that's got the financial means to do a lot better than the results that they get. But, um, I don't know. It just seems like they've been kind of stagnant and, um, you know, Harry Kane, did not leave the club in the off season. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm taking a, a wait and see approach. 
as far as you know what he's going to do. Okay. What about you, Rod? What are your thoughts? And I think Steve hit on that. That you think that this club should be a level where should be bigger. One, they got a brand new stadium two, three years ago. You know, uh, they are a good brand. Their 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 brand is with the NFL. They're partners with the NFL. So they're trying to double market this to the United States. And they are. They're really pretty known in the United States. You know, so you have that global brand. You got that stadium. You should have enough money and cash flow to get good players, in which they do. They don't get world-class players, but they get good enough players. Uh, they got Hoiberg, uh, you know, Bergwine, you know, Reglion. Um, You know, you got all these guys. Uh, and you brought in now. This summer, remember that Nuno's was what number five, number four, mm-hmm. down the line, the pegging line. So it was such a mess in the in the beginning. In the first two three weeks, Nuno's looked like he was doing good. Then things got hit in a brick wall. Um, I think that the board knew that Conte looked like because United was not going to hire him. I think Conte was really really thought that he had that job. And I think he didn't want to wait anymore. Uh, you had this good money. I mean, they spent a lot of money on content. They, they, I mean, it's like $23 million for something like that. Yeah. For crazy I mean, for three years. For like per. 18 months, yeah. He's certainly going to get a big paycheck. And, you know, and at the same time, I didn't think Conte would work out at Manchester United either. Off the top of my head, in sports writing terms, the main reason... I don't have one. It's just my gut feeling just tells me it do, it's not going to work. And and when you know soccer like we do, gentlemen, you get that feeling in your gut. Like, yeah, you just know that it's – you don't know why, but you just know that it's not going to work. Like, you guys have had that feeling before, right? Oh, yeah. And the funny thing yeah. is with, with Tottenham, they wanted to go offensive. After they fired uh, uh, Marino, they wanted to go more offens- offensive. They went and got Nuno's. Then, in some ways, Conte is defensively a more-minded coach. <laughs> Go. I mean, I don't know why they went and got Conte for. I mean, they, they, okay, I, I think there you go. You just kind of solidified a reason for me. And speaking of, I believe Conte took uh, he took on the managerial role for his first EPL game, and that resulted in a 0-0 draw against Everton on the road at uh, Goodison Park. And... Uh, <sighs> Sometimes, you know, of course I'll say, okay, it's his first game. Maybe he wasn't like that, you know, but, you know, in Tottenham, there was no excuse. You know, I see the lineup. You know, you got Harry Kane as the sole striker. You know, you got Son and Lucas, you know, right right behind them. A four midfielder set and then a balanced defense. You know, I really f- felt like Tottenham should have won, but, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. You know, after the international break, maybe after that they'll pick it up. But, you know... That all remains to be seen, but you know, looking at, at these games, uh, also, uh, you know, Southampton with a one nothing win and, and Chelsea one one with Burnley. I think, in our case, you know, I guess the bright side from that was, uh, well, it was certainly good to see Christian Christian Pulisic back. It was good that he made it back. It's good he didn't get injured. Uh, so you know, he should be able to play on Friday against Mexico at Cincinnati. So oh, yeah. thank God, thank God he's doing okay. Um, 
you know, at least he's doing a little better than Gio Reyna, who's taken a turn for the worse with his hamstring problems with Dortmund. But uh, but going back to the EPL, uh, you know, team that had started off so horribly in the EPL, Arsenal, all of a sudden they've won six out of eight, and they are gaining on, you know, the top five or six at warp speed. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not doing it with mirrors. They're just playing really good ball and uh, picked up another win over Watford on the weekend. Nice goal by Smith Rowe. Um, so, I mean, the Gunners are kind of feeling it right now. I mean, the Gunners, you know, I, I think they were, what, what, at one point, what was it, 0-3 or like 0-4? I mean, they were like they were like down there with Norwich and Newcastle, out of the gate, out of the gates. Yeah, they so, were zero three, yeah, and since since then, six wins and two draws. So um, they're in fifth place. Uh, Watford, or excuse me, West Ham, and what one of the things not uh, that one of the things that's easily overlooked with the win against uh, uh, Liverpool at the London Stadium, they leapfrog Liverpool into third place in the EPL. So, you know, David Moyes is just showing that, you know, this is not a fluke. He's not doing it with mirrors. He's doing a really, really good job with the hammers. And, um, you know, it, it's nice to see, even though I'm a Liverpool fan, I will say that it's nice to see some new blood, some different teams that are coming up and challenging. So, you know, I, for one, I'm frankly happy seeing West Ham, you know, battling it out for those Champions League spots. It is good to see. I mean, West Ham's never actually finished. As far as I know, they've never even finished in the top four, have they? They've never been in the Champions League. I mean, you know, just for them even qualifying for the Europa League was was big stuff. It is. You know, but... it, it's it's a team that you know since they won you know the FA Cup uh, back in 1980. I mean, as a second division team against Arsenal, it's a team that hasn't seen a ton of European ball. So, uh, you know, great job by David Moyes. I think it's his first win uh, against Klopp. So, um, but yeah, you uh, that that was that was a really really exciting thing. And uh, I know there are some Liverpool fans that are like, oh well, there should have been a red card. You know, the first goal, Allison was interfered with. Well, I don't think so. Um, I. I don't think so at all. I, I thought the goal was valid. Um, you know, it's just Allison did not have a great game against the Gunners. And, you know, rather than saying, well, did Liverpool play poorly, at a certain level, you got to give mad props to West Ham. They played a really great second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were catching Liverpool back. And, I mean, they actually could have probably had a couple more goals, to be honest, in the second half. Anything uh, on the uh, Liverpool-West Ham game, Rod? Actually, uh, not much of that one, you know, as Liverpool. And by the way, uh, West Ham has beaten pretty much all the big boys this year, at least once, or draw them, I believe. That's what the stat was I saw this weekend. So it shows you that they're beating the top-level guys, and then they're handling, you know, the bottom guys. So that's why you see the consistency. And oh, yeah. Let me... Let me turn back around with that Arsenal. They're currently uh, fifth on the table. I'm looking at it right now. 20 points. The, la- the first four weeks, they were actually, if I remember, like you guys said, they were close to being 
at the top, the bottom three or the bottom four. And I remember Arteta was very in thin ice, getting sacked, and then he just went into a a, a role. Now they're fifth now, and that's really interesting to see how they finish off the season. I know it's still long ways. Uh, I've always said that the 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 point of the Premier League is always Boxing Boxing Day, you know. Once you reach there, we know what they are, and that's and this is where I want to come around on West Ham, is that with twenty three points, that is a good enough points at point of this season where you can play with the bigger teams in the end. Now, if they can keep going through this, let's say month. Get to January, maybe they add a person or two or a player or two for Moyes. They can battle. I don't know where they're going to end up, but they can battle. And this reminds me when he was with Everton, uh, I think 2007 or 2006, was it? I believe they were battling for the same spot when he was with Everton, battling for Champions League spots, battling for the top four, and almost by the same way playing his way, you know, very organized, very compact. Uh, you know, you, you can attack in certain ways, uh, you know. So it, Moses is doing it his own way. And what I think the best thing for him was he has no pressure on West Ham. I think that's why he's so successful. Uh, it was shameful how things went for him in United because he unfortunately was the guy who got to replace um, Alex. So yeah, that expectation was ridiculous. Big time. But I think him going to Steve has spoken uh, about that uh, on the show already. It's it's a poison chalice when you when you take over from a legend, and it doesn't matter what the sport is. You know whether it was Gene Barto taking over from John Wooden, you know at UCLA with basketball, um, you know taking over after Vince Lombardi with Green Bay. I mean, anytime you're taking over from a legend. It's a poison chalice, I think. Um, sometimes I think for coaches it may be a little bit better. Wait, maybe let another coach try it first, and then they'll ultimately fail. Um, but, you know, they they had zero patience with Moyes when he was with Man U. I think he got kind of the shit end of the stick, to be really blunt. Yeah, and, big time. Uh, and, yeah. You know, I mean, I think they've shown way more patience with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer than they ever did with Moyes. So anyone, uh, I mean, you can't argue that at all. I mean, that would be an understatement. Yeah. I mean, uh, let me kind of finish up with what I think of Moyes in West Ham. I'm really, really happy. I'm actually seeing his success. Uh, I think last year one of the uh, I was listened to one of the guys in Sky Sports, and I think they hit it in a nail, and I think they saw it this last year, and they're seeing it. You're seeing it now, but I think they saw it last year where he's saying, these are Moyes guys. You know, guys who he picked, he groomed, he he coached, and they know what he's do- they're doing because Moyes understands them. And I think it's now, you didn't see too much turnover from them from the summer. No one really you know, obviously everyone was trying to get Declan Rice. He refused, you know, to let him go. So 
he only I think lost maybe a player or two, but majority of these guys that he's retaining, and you you see that that reward coming in now being displayed so high, and I think that's what you're seeing is that success for Moyes was the same thing in in everything, and I think it's really nice to see that happening. Like you, Steve says, it's really nice seeing other teams being in the top four, top six, really challenging making the Premier League really the best league because it shows you that any team can pop up and be a big challenge. Big time. And all I can say is keep up the good work, David Moyes. And, you know, this could be an era of West Ham United. This obviously an era with great potential. And I'll be honest, I'm excited about it, you know, as a sports writer because, you know, that's a, that's a story for me to tell. That's a story for me to write an article or get on the show and talk about it. So at this point, I mean, what I'm saying is I'm I'm grateful and I'm excited. But anyway, so I think that we're uh, wrapped up on the on the Premier League. Well, uh, at, at, before we officially move on to La Liga and Ligue 1, looking at the standings, Chelsea's still uh, three points clear while Manchester City and West Ham are both at 23 with Liverpool one point shy and Arsenal being at fifth. And I'll be honest, for Manchester United, it does not look good at all. But how humiliating would it be if Manchester United finish, you know, below fifth place? I mean, it's I'm, I'm, maybe I'm overreacting. It's, it's still too early, but I just don't feel like there's – I don't feel like there's anything going on in the future. Like, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up on anything as far as the Red Devils go. You know, it's still a pretty loaded lineup. Um, I don't think it's a question of, you know, lack of quality – Per se, at Man U, I just think, uh, I just think they've lost confidence in the manager. They've kind of stopped playing for him. It was kind of like towards the tail end of Jose Mourinho's tenure there too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's like you know, a lot of the guys that are on Man U, I think most teams would be happy to take any one of a number of players that are on that team. So. Uh, I think the I think the question is just going to be at what point are they finally are the Glazers finally just going to pull the trigger and make a managerial change because you know they're really not playing. It was a really apathetic display against City the other day, and and, and I mean if you're looking that apathetic, I mean not just losing but how you're losing to your two biggest rivals. Right. I mean, Liverpool and Man City are the two biggest rivals for Man U by far. And it's at home, too. You lost to them at home in embarrassing fashion. Two games. Two at, games. At home, you've two lost games, in, embarrassing, yeah. in embarrassing fashion. So, so, yeah, you know, we'll just have to see as far as at what point, you know, the Glazers finally say enough, and then who are you going to bring in? That becomes the second question. Well, uh, I th- Ron and I spoke about this. Um, if you fire Solskjaer, you know, I said, you know what? Make the caretaker, uh, I for- uh, the, the dude from Scotland. I forgot his name. Uh, but I-, I-, I would say, yeah, bring bring this guy in. Let him take over for the rest of the season, and then we'll see what it takes out from there. I think the so, – all right. So on this one before we kind of move along, and I think that – I've been reading a lot of uh, interviews, been reading a lot of people that uh, kind of knows United. Uh, one of the vote is Andy Mittens. Uh, he's works for Sky Sports. Uh, he's very close to uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. 
he was actually one of the first person people to to put on notice that saying that United after the Liverpool match that no one was practicing and it was Solskjaer only in the building. Uh, he's also now starting to report that there's certain player he has he didn't name them starts to kind of be disenchanted with Solskjaer. Uh, there's also some people saying that it's Sir Alex Ferguson is the one that's keeping his job right now. He he went he was one of the people in the board that wanted to let him stay in and watch him kind of see what he can do. I think eventually once the board kind of over kind of overthrows uh, Sir Alex's vote, I think that's when uh, you'll see Solskjaer again sacked. I think there's three voices. I keep telling people there's three voices that's going to make this happen. Bruno, Cristiano, and uh, and David De Gea, who has the control of that locker room. Probably. They are very influential to everyone. Obviously, Cristiano, we know why. Bruno, we know why, because he is beloved by everybody so, you know, so quickly. And a guy like David De Gea, who's very uh, respected with the younger players, with the veterans, I think once they turn, that's when you know they're going to sack Ollie. Because I think right now, uh, even the players are just starting to see that this is not going to go anywhere. Um, now, I've said this before in the last two weeks. I think they don't, I think Conte was a smokescreen. I think what they really want is Ten Hag from Ajax. I think that's the guy who they really want. Who's uh, been kind of we kind of looked at the last few weeks. There's been rumors that they want Brendan Rodgers too. I don't think they want Brendan Rodgers. But I think Ten Hag is the one that they really want. And I think that's why they're playing the long game. Because I don't think Ajax will let them go this season, especially the way the season Ajax is having. They're having a brilliant Champions League season. Um, I think that's also the reason why they're keeping uh, Solskjaer because they believe that they Solskjaer can get them out of the table. Uh, the the group stage of Champions League, and after that, let's see what happens. But I think those are the factors that's keeping Solskjaer his job. One is the one is the biggest is Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he's the one who's been having the biggest voice on keeping him in job there. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, the the dude from Ajax, I would certainly consider it. But I think at this point, if you fire Solskjaer, have the caretaker to finish out the season. You know, like like. Take it, you know, take it one step at a time. Don't rush because, you know, that's the problem. But now that we go on to, uh, we'll go with uh, League Nah. I mean, not surprisingly, of course, none other than Paris Saint-Germain is up in is up by 10 points with 11 wins, one draw, and one loss. <laughs> you know, I, I swear to God, you know, PSG is just... You know, part of me says, you know, PSG, this is going to go on for probably a couple more years. I mean, just imagine how PSG is now, and in a few years, they're back to what they were before. But if everybody reminds me, with the ownership, no, PSG is always going to be strength. Because with all that money, I mean, they, they lose if they lose Mbappe, Messi goes away, and then whatever, they'll just buy the next guy. But but, but, but I, I tell you, it, I guess the bottom line is, yeah. Are you guys surprised PSG is up by a large margin? No. <laughs> 
not at all. Not not at all. Uh, right now, right now, right now, the, right now, the competition is for the European spots. Yeah. You know, so you know, Marseille, Lens, Nice. You know, they're all they're all kind of fighting it out there. Um, you know, Marseille keeps dropping points at home. Um, but uh, but right now, you know, I I think you know the only battle is going to be for the spots for second and third for the Champions League. I mean, even if PSG is not necessarily hitting on all cylinders and trying to find out a way to get all these superstars to be able to gel together on the pitch, you know, I, I think as far as league on goes, you know, I think they're fine. You know, they'll have to sort things out a little bit more as far as if they really, really want to make a deep run in the Champions League. But, um, yeah, but there's no denying the talent that uh, that the Parisians have. Speaking of that, obviously PSG is not is not very happy about Lionel Messi uh, being called up to the Argentine team, and th- this whole international break, it's it, it it really is frustrating because Paul Pogba got hurt today, injured his uh, thigh in uh, training, and you know, and, and speaking of this, you know, Steve, I know I texted you this, but you know, the the squad right there, I mean, you know. The, the French squad for the upcoming for the upcoming games, especially on defense, you know, obviously, you know, I, I was just beyond, like, to say I was not satisfied was, was, was an understatement. I mean, I'm like, this is why I can't trust Deshaun anymore. Well, I, I think it's a little early to pull, to push the panic button with France. You know, they're loaded and I, they'll, they'll qualify with, without any problems, but, but, you know, but by the same token too, you know, I understand that the clubs pay the majority of the wages for the players. I get it. But by the same token, too, you know, if, if, if you have any type of character at all, you want to wear your country's jersey. You know, Messi wants to wear that Argentine jersey. You know, why, why, would, you, why would you begrudge him that? Um, you know, especially now that Argentina, they finally won the Copa America uh, during this summer. You know, they're set in pretty good shape to qualify for the World Cup. But, you know, I know Messi would like to make it to one more World Cup in Qatar. And um, in, in this modern era post-Maradona, you know, Messi's, Messi's the best Argentine player since Maradona. I would actually argue in some ways he's, he's greater than Maradona because Messi has played at such a high level for a longer period of time. That period of time when Maradona was great, I mean, yeah, he was fantastic. But that was a relatively short amount of time. Messi's been great for well over a decade, you know, like 12 or 13 years. Big time, yeah. And you're absolutely right. Uh, And what are your thoughts, Rod, uh, as far as the league with the international break with, uh, with Mr. Lionel Messi? Well, and this is the unfortunate part, and I think I mentioned it last last time too as well, because of COVID of last year, a lot of the international games were canceled. You know, now they're going to have to crunch everything for next year to international play, and that's why you see so many international breaks, international injuries, and it is frustrating. Steve made a point that uh, the club does pay your wages, your, your living – your livelihood 
it's pretty much was dependent on the club play. You know, and I think they've argued that before where, you know, especially a lot of South Americans, people don't understand, a lot of South Americans, they use the club for livelihood, but what they really care about is their country, Brazil and Argentina, Uruguay, you know, all of those South American countries, they really, to them, playing for the country is what their dream is. You know, yeah, playing for a big club, but let's face it, some of those Brazilian guys and Argentinian guys, their real dream was to play for the country. And it, and unfortunately for some clubs, if you want get these big stars, you can understand they're going to play for the country, especially South American mm-hmm. players. They're going to want to play for their country. Absolutely. And that's the fact. And then they just got to play. Fortunately, clubs got to play that balance. You know, uh, I think United's uh, done so far with, with some of their English players. They've been holding them back, talking to Southgate, saying, hey, I think he's a little nicked up. You should let him play. Rashford pulled himself out. He said that he wasn't ready. He didn't want to. I think some players just needs to really reassess themselves and say, hey, you know, do they really need me in this certain games? You know, look at the matches. I think that's where some clubs and some countries don't really communicate. I think as long as you communicate with the head coach, I think everything will be okay, but it's still tough for South American players. They really want to play. It's not like European players. Well, I'm not saying that European players don't have that same pride, but man, it's different. It's well, I'll nice throw. Go ahead. There's another there's another wrinkle to the ointment too in all this as well, because you know the games and the practices are hard enough, and they take a toll. But people don't realize the travel. Oh, yeah. Travel. Travel is an absolute killer. And, you know, people don't realize how far the distances are to go to South America. I mean, when my wife and I, when we flew down to Paraguay back in January of, of 2020, that was 13 hours of flying between Los Angeles. And you know how far Los Angeles is as far as with the continental U.S. From Los Angeles to El Salvador to Bogota, to Asuncion, it was 13 hours of flying. Those South American players that are having to fly from Europe to get to Montevideo, to get to Buenos Aires, um, you know, to, to get to, to Rio or Sao Paulo, or, uh, and then just throw some of the other countries in if you're flying to Ecuador, Colombia, Santiago, Chile. The distances that you're flying and how much flying just absolutely takes it out of you you know people don't appreciate what these players have to contend with and then after you're tired and bedraggled you're having to go out there and play 90 minutes and god forbid that you're not having to play in la paz bolivia at like you know some ridiculous thing like uh 10 000 feet you know this whole thing with traveling i mean my dad would just tell you how brutal i mean my dad has I would probably say at least 30 years experience. I mean, I would say my dad's records in traveling is at least 50 times around the globe. I mean, the list goes from Canada to England, South Africa, Brazil, Chile, Australia. My dad's been everywhere. India. 
uh, Hong Kong, although it was a it was a layover or whatever you want to call it, Qatar, you know, traveling gets to you, but you know, it's not just the physicality, but it's mentally too. Like you're sitting on that plane for so long, you're just sitting there, you know. And you know, and my dad always made the point: just because the the business pays for your travel, I mean, it does help to a degree. But overall, like it's, you're just sitting there on a plane, and you know, you're not going there for fun; you're going there for work. I mean, it's tough. Traveling really gets to you. Yep. No, <laughs> absolutely. Players, yeah, it's it, it. Not only that, but you're playing in different time zones too. Like you're not used but, to it. But it's like this back and forth. You're playing, you know, your league games and all of that pressure. And then now you're coming to South America or in the case of, you know, Pulisic and the American players that are based in Europe, you know, they're having to come back here. They're having to go to Cincinnati. They're going to play Mexico on Friday in Cincinnati. And then three days later, they're playing Jamaica and Kingston. Uh, and then as soon as they're done with that, boom, back to Europe. Back to Europe. Yeah. And let's not forget also the quarantine now these days. They're going to have to self-quarantine when they come to certain countries, especially South America. When yep. they leave South America, when they come back to their respective countries in, uh, in Europe, remember, they're red flags. So that means they got to self-isolate for a couple of days, too. And that's mentally rough on you. Oh, big time. If you're stuck in a room. Uh, I know they're in a luxury room, but still, it's still mentally tough. Especially you just played... X amount of games, now you have to travel and then now you're going to have to be separated from the world for a couple of days. That is mentally draining these days. It's it's a rough it's a rough way to travel this day, uh, these days. No question. Yeah. You know, and then you throw the COVID aspect in and isolation and masking while you're flying. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, it's tough to relax. When you're flying it's tough to, re I mean, just even recent travel where I've done to, to Minneapolis, you know, LA to Minneapolis, you know, you're masked up. It's tough to relax on that plane when you got the mask on. And they're watching you to make sure that you've got that mask covering your nose and your mouth. So, um, so at any rate, but yeah, uh, it's, it's a very, very challenging time. And, you know, they're having to cram in a lot of games and a lot of the travel. You know, just because of the the up schedule, just because of the peculiarities of this calendar for the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah. Hey, uh, before uh, we finish the uh, international talk, uh, looking at La Liga, uh, you know, um, you know, <laughs> just amazing that the big story is is Real Sociedad sitting on top. You know, with Real Madrid, you know, trailing by only one point. Uh, unfortunately, Barcelona being what they are, it's unfortunately no surprise. But pretty cool, actually, seeing Real Sociedad up there in the top spot. When I was a college student in France in the early 80s, that was kind of like the golden period for Real Sociedad. They had won a couple of La Liga titles at that time. So, you know, for people in the Basque country in San Sebastian, you know, they got to be just absolutely tickled to death about it. And, um, you know, for fans, you know, it's kind of nice to see somebody else at the top spots in La Liga instead of Barcelona, Atletico, Real Madrid, and maybe to a lesser degree, Sevilla. But uh, but it's pretty cool seeing the Bosques up there in the top spot. Totally. It is. Um, it's always fun to see other teams, especially, that, that, you know, a team like Switzerland. Um We always want to see how long they can stay that power to sustain that 
you know, top spot, but it's always fun. No matter what league it is, if you always see a, a team that a, or a club that like, oh, wow, look at that. They're over there. Yeah. You know, it's always fun because it makes it more intriguing. Uh, it makes other the other clubs like Madrid and, you know, uh, Atletico and, you know, uh, Sevilla, you know, all these guys are like, ooh, wait a minute. We're going to have to play them pretty well now, you know. So it's it's always fun, no matter what league it is. I always like seeing it. In my case, it's a story to tell, but – but back to the international, you know, I'm looking at the squad that Didier Deschamps selected. And, you know, number one, I'm actually, I'm, I'm not satisfied with the fact that Clément Langlais got selected. I mean, last time his tenure for France was horrible. You know, I feel like Ferland Mendy should have been selected, the defender out of Real Madrid. But, you know, I've certainly, I mean, after that Nations League final against Spain, Jules Condé, I've changed my mind on this guy big time, I mean, you know. But I said, look, he's young, he's got potential, you know, so we can't... Now, I'm not going to throw the dude under the bus, but... Seeing Jules Koundé and Dayo Upamecano... You know, Dayo Upamecano took over for Rafael Varane in the final after he got hurt, and those two young defenders with, you know, with a combined nine caps were able to contain a brutal Spanish attack. You know, that gave them a big step, so that really has, has, to, be, has to motivate them. As far as the the Hernandez brothers, uh, as far as Luca Luca goes, uh, that uh, that legal uh, legal uh, thing he's going about, uh, he he avoided prison time, but he's gonna be he's gonna pay a big fine. I mean, he's gonna have to move past that. But but I just believe that Kunde, Upamecano, and Hernandez. I mean, those young defenders have a future with this national team. Well. I mean, Didier Deschamps has such an embarrassment of riches in hand as far as just with young talent. I mean, France just keeps reloading. And, um, you know, Pogba gets hurt. Meh, no problem. You got another young stud that you could, you could fill in with. So, um, not feeling a whole lot of pity for Didier Deschamps at this time. I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I think uh, the Jordan Veretout is actually going to replace... Uh... Paul Pogba, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, President Kipembe, I was surprised at first he wasn't called up, but he, he wasn't called up due to an injury, although I figured I figured at first it was probably because of his bad game against uh, RP Leipzig, you know, uh, coughing up that penalty, but that's one game, I, and you know, Deshaun knows President very well, but uh, but it's good to see N'Golo Conte back, and Rabiot is back as well, and you know, all these young players, they, with these names that we've never even seen, like I mean, like, like you said, there's just there's always like that. But but the last thing I want to say about France is, you know, now that Giroud is being omitted from the team, that's actually getting to me because you know you guys know very well, I love Benzema, but I also love Giroud. You know, I mean, his time's passed. I mean, he's had a really good run. He's had a great career, but you know, I mean, he's not even really getting that much playing time really with AC Milan these days. So, you know, if you're not hardly playing much club, you know, and especially with, you know, the, the options at forward that he has, you know, especially with a really, really informed uh, Benzema, you know, it's just, you know, everybody give, give Giroud, a, you know, pat on the back. He's had a great international career, you know, but I think as far as uh, playing anymore with with France as far as any significant minutes I think I think Giroud's time is done it's, un, it's, a, it's unfortunate too but you know and, and you know what what always worries me is Usman Dembele mm -hmm. 
Finally comes back, but only to immediately get hurt. But it's good to see um, Kingsley Coma is back. And as far as the midfield goes, I was hoping that Thomas Lomar, who plays for Atletico Madrid, would be back. But he's still injured as far as I know. But you know, all these key players getting hurt, you know, at the end of the day, just, just bring the next guy up. Even if he's young, because you, you got you got to build for the future. So just, there's always the time. Start build, start experiencing it now. I mean, if you have to put him in a World in a World Cup semifinal for his first start, fine, do it. He's gonna, this is going to boost him, but... But I think, I mean, France plays Kazakhstan on Saturday, and they definitely should win this game. But if they, if they win, but they don't win in a good way, well, I'm sorry, guys, but I will have to do what I'm infamously known for doing. I'm gonna have to bury them. I don't like having. I really don't like having to, but it is what it is. But we gotta talk about the U.S. the USA, and that's the final thing as we wrap it up. Uh, USA's got a major challenge ahead. They play the old enemy, um, and you know this past summer uh the u.s beat mexico not once but twice mm -hmm. in cup finals the copa america one was probably the biggest surprise because i mean that was essentially a b team and you know mexico went with a pretty much a first choice squad now let's not forget in all of this too that even though the u.s won those two games mexico had the much better of the play in oh, those yeah. games so uh so with the injury that the U.S. has to Serginio Dest, I don't think that hurts them as much against Mexico because, I mean, Mexico is more than likely going to have the majority of the possession. Even though they're going to be playing the game in Cincinnati, I just think with the talent Mexico has, I think they're going to have most of the control, and I think the U.S. is going to have to depend more on counterattacks. Where you are going to miss Dest is going to be a game like with Jamaica, where the U.S. is going to expect to have control of the ball. And um, Death's pace and his ability with the ball will be really, really missed, um, particularly against Jamaica. But on the bright side, they got Pulisic back, um, but no Dest. So that's, uh, that's kind of rough. And then, as I recall, I think John Brooks did not get picked for the squad. No, unfortunately uh, not. Weston so, well, McKinney and Tyler Adams are both there. Uh, yeah. it's, good, it's good to have R Ricardo Pepe back, and uh, Timothy Weah is back as well, and yeah. Aronson. So, yeah, I mean, a, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of the young – I mean, look at – just seeing how young these guys are. Uh, Yunus Musa is also back. I mean, look at all that talent. you, you got some European talent. you got the, the MLS guys. So, I mean – but, you know, this game against Mexico, it's, it's going to be tough. And, uh, uh, Rod, I'd like your thoughts on the game against Mexico. I was trying to find a full roster for the United States to see. Because like, usually, like you said, Mexico is always a rough go. You know, it's usually the first 20 minutes or so that kind of determines the game. Like the last two, like Steve mentioned, we were pretty, like, especially the first one, the one we beat uh, on the Nations game or whatever they called it that summer, that new that, that that Nations game, game they had. Um, it's basically the the Concacaf version of the Nations League. It's kind of like the European one. It's just the it's just in this part of the world. Yeah, but we were pretty not dominant, but we were there toe to toe in Mexico, possession wise, physical play in the midfield. That's where they always killed us was in the midfield oh, all the time. time. And we, I felt that they they handled themselves really well, and they kind of stormed it till you know we. Scored those last few goals. Now I think that this 
this time around, like you said, it was Des being hurt. Uh, I think McKinney is also hurt. Is he from Juventus? Wasn't he hurt? He was hurt, but he's actually on the squad. Is he better now? And I uh, think that's what's going to be kind of, you know, it's going to determine the, the place, but... how they're going to, you know, control the midfield and how everything else gets tempo. Because let's face it, it's tempo with United States and Mexico all the time. The fans gets into it. The players gets into it. You know, it's always emotional game. Uh, it's never, you know, about, you know, the game within the game. It's always emotion within the game. And that's what I think that's going to take this team to beat Mexico again. It's kind of like controlling themselves and controlling the midfield and controlling their emotions. I mean, and controlling the emotions, I think, is the most important one. I mean, I'm looking at the standings. Mexico has a three-point lead. And if we lose to Mexico and Canada wins and Panama wins, I mean, that's going to do a lot of damage. But, but I, 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 think, I, I, I think this game ends. I, I think the game probably ends in a draw, though. It's so hard to say. It's so hard to say because it's like Berhalter has had this propensity for picking just terrible starting lineups. Yeah for some of these games, like the starting lineups in Panama and Honduras were just terrible. I mean, the U S was able to overcome a horrendous start against Honduras. You know, what are the, what are the worst halves of ball I've ever seen an American team play? I was like right up there with that debacle in port of Spain, Trinidad, Tobago, uh, you know, just terrible, but you know, he, he made all the right substitutions and all of his substitutions that he made at halftime in that game, Berhalter rolled snake eyes and he got everyone right. Uh, did not do right with the Panama game. The Panama game was terrible. Uh, just horrible display. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, he, he doesn't have the option of fucking up his starting lineup against Mexico because Mexico is also They've got a healthy Chucky Lozano, and they've got a healthy Jimenez, mm-hmm. and uh, you know those are two very formidable attacking players. Uh, the thing that the U.S. can have, I think, uh, the the one thing that Musa gives the U.S. that they haven't had in a really long time is it gives them a player who has unbelievable dribbling skills, who will take you on in the dribble and can beat you. Um, and open things up. I mean, he's he's the guy who I think who could be a real X factor uh, in the game against Mexico. It's going to be a tough one. All right, uh, Rod, your final thoughts on the game? Coming up to the uh, in, uh, to the roster, looking at it now, what really strikes me the most here is Josh Sargent. Now he hasn't had the best start in Norwich. Uh, coming from Germany. Uh, I wanted to see if he could turn up a good game for the United States to kind of get him back rolling professionally. And I think that's where... And Bert Holder, he's not very... He's not very attack-minding. Like I said, he's going to try to win it in the midfield, trying to sustain. Uh, So that's why I wanted to see how Josh Arnjian plays and see, because looking at the lineup, McKinney is there, you know, 
uh, on the team. I think Polisic is going to be in the team. Ricardo Pepe is going to be in the team. So you got all these guys. And what I think also likes Brandon Anderson. I really like the kid from uh, MLS. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't been called up in Europe yet. No one's trying to pick him out yet. But I think the team is going to be pretty solid. It's always, like I said, it's always a toss up with Mexico. I think the last few years have been doing pretty, pretty well against them. Um, Jamaica is going to be another one, but they just got to they're going to they're going to have to get score points at least a draw. Okay. They need to get they need to get they they need four points out of these two games, big time. Uh, there's no question about it, but you know. I, I, you know, if the U.S. could pull off the impossible and beat Mexico and get these two wins, I mean, that's going to be a changer, but we'll just have to wait and see. And the lesson for that, I really want them to kind of really, really not do good because I really want Bert Holder to get fired. I really want my, my fantasy dream to get Justin Marsh job. I know he's not going to leave Europe, but... Man, will it be nice him going to the United States being a national coach? I mean, uh, I, I you know right, right now, uh, as far as the U.S. team goes, uh, I'm not sure as far as the change goes what they would do. But, but um, anyway, um, uh, last thing I want to say before I uh, head on off is uh, a special shout out to uh, Maximiliano Bretos, uh, the voice of LAFC. Uh, had quite an accompli- made a quite an, uh, an announcement today. A uh, huge accomplishment. Got an Emmy. <laughs> I mean, everybody's still like, you know, I'm sure all the FC Dallas guys I know are like, how the hell can I be an LAFC fan? I told I told him the story. I said because my good friend Steve invited me to a game. I mean. I told I, I I tell this story like I could have used either Dodgers game or LAFC game and I I was bored of baseball games so you know what LAFC game it was and, and that just changed my life but that's how it is but you know at, at the end of the day I'm not a, I'm not an ML I I don't hate the MLS but I just prefer the I just prefer European football so I I, I stick I, I just stick to that but anyway ladies and gentlemen Into the Net FC is available to you on all streaming platforms including Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I cannot wait to have you both back on very soon. Good to meet you, Rod. And, you too, uh, Steve. Next time I get to the Metroplex, I'll have to be able to look both of you up. All right, well, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think that would be great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.